What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Here we are once again, Jerry, back in the A's for Alcoholic studio. Back in the (laughs) studio here. Um, As always, our program is brought to you by Green Camel Press. I got to tell you, so I have a little story about the t-shirt. I do. Okay. Um, I put it on uh, one of my Instagram stories a couple days back, but... I was going to a job interview, and um, I wanted to go on my run, but the, the the place called, and I couldn't I couldn't do both. I couldn't go to the interview and go on my run because I was like, "Oh, we, can you see us? Can you come here in an hour?" I was like, "Sure," but yeah. I thought, "Oh, I'll pack all my stuff up, and I'll um, I'll just run afterwards, and I'll just kind of change in the parking lot, which." It's always kind of a dicey situation, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but you've and, done and, it though. You've not, done. We've all. And not done like it. I was getting completely naked, but I went to the interview and mm-hmm. it was fine. And I don't know if I'm going to get the job or take the job or not, but, um, but I brought my green camel T-shirt to jog in, and I got to tell you, it was soft. Um, I'm not really like I usually like a V-neck. I don't usually like a full T-shirt, but it was soft. Yeah. It was comfy. Um, yeah. It was it was great. I I think I ran about five miles that day. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It, this it was, is just a way for you to horn in that you ran after your job interview. Is that yeah? Is that what it is? It's it's a is that a, I don't know. A humble brag. It just sounds suspicious <clears throat> like it. <laughs> um, but you know the the idea was uh, the the point I was trying to make is a t-shirt was really comfy, and you should go yeah. get a t-shirt at greencamelpress.com. You can run in it. Won't chafe your nips. It won't. I had that issue today. I had this shirt, and it was a V-neck. And mm-hmm. I had to, at one point I had to take the shirt off because my nips yeah. were getting chafed. And it's like, yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Is it like Vaseline? Are there big band aids? Is it a combination? Like it's a green camel, green camel press is your answer there. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. I had a basketball jersey that would chafe my nips, but I think it was just my higher power telling me not to wear a fucking basketball jersey. For like the uh, the Atlanta Falcons or something? Some shit, but every time I wore it, man, it just chafed my fucking nip-nops all up, dude. It was rough as hell. You need a proper t-shirt. Yeah, now I wear proper... Well, I'm in an undershirt right now, but it's hot out here, mm-hmm. man. And I'm, I'm Italian-Mexican, so I'm allowed to wear undershirts like normal shirts. Mm. So, yeah. Sorry. There's, <laughs> there's ice in my water. Greencamelpress.com. And, um, yeah. I got to go, and one of the things that we just released, I just released a podcast today, sort of like a little mini episode with our friend Joe, who um, does the music for us here, mm-hmm. and he was driving on a road trip, and we got to uh, hang out and um, and talk out in the Redwood Forest, and it was cool. It was good. We had a, you know, got to have a nice, genuine conversation, and um, yeah, he's doing well. He looks good. Yeah. He um, does look good, yeah. He looks healthy. Um, we got some tacos and just talked about, you know, life and loss and Yeah, <laughs> music talking about and... tacos, man. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I did a little interview with him about the music and where his 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 um his inspiration came from and at one point I mean not that I want to ruin it for you, you should listen to it, but I will. Uh, he uh, he's like He's like, yeah, I was kind of thinking about the Barney Miller soundtrack or the theme song. And I was like, oh, really? That's so. pretty dope, dude. That theme track, that theme song is funky, dude. Mm-hmm, very funky. It is. Yeah. So that was cool. So go listen to that if you're interested in it. It's it's less about it's less about sobriety and more about the um, the production of the uh, right of the track. Right. But Joe, I don't think Joe drinks though. No, he doesn't. No. He's 
But he never. I don't think he drank like we drank. I think he watched us drink and was like, "Oh, those fucking." When we guys. were when we were younger, yes. I mean, I I have I have a couple of memories with him. We used to get together and drink, but not in the same way. Um, not like you, you and I. No. no, no, not at all. No. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he used to say. Uh, or but did I say that I'd always bring over a bottle of early times and you'd be like early times for early rhymes. That was oh yeah, joke. no, you used to say that too. Yeah, because they were yeah. John John would get drunk and start rhyming everything. <clears throat> not very well, not in sort of no, a, not uh, well, no. I, it was just fall out of my head, but um, but yeah. So here we are again at the beginning of the alphabet. Boom. This is cause uh, a wheel, dude. We're on the wheel, three. dude. Cause how was wheel. how was your how was your Fourth of July? How was your your sober birthday? Non, uh, <clears throat> nothing. There was nothing. I mean, it was non uh, non. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Eventful. Mm-hmm. It was Unevent- good. It was it was nice and calm. It was pretty relaxed. You know, we asked Olive if she wanted to go see fireworks, and she was like, "Nope, I don't really <laughs> want to be around people." And I'm like, "Wow, wow. I'm really raising you just like me, aren't I?" And so, and my wife was like, all right, cool. Like, we didn't even light off sparklers or anything. I had mm. made Mexican shrimp cocktail and ate a banana cream pie. Not the whole pie, like a piece. Mm. Yeah. Because I wanted a pecan pie, but apparently that isn't seasonal. Like, pecan pie is not popular in the summer here in Oregon. I have no idea. It's impossible wow. to find one. So, that was it, really. I had a piece of pie and a bunch of Mexican shrimp cocktail, cocktail de camarón. And Sounds great. I mean, I Drank some iced tea and hung out with my wife and listened to music and oh, I went swimming in our little pool in the backyard. It was great. It How was the a pool? really good day. Mm. Very cold, <laughs> <laughs> like really fucking cold. Right on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um. How was yours? What'd you do on my sobriety birthday? On your sobriety you on my fourth of, on your fourth. <laughs> uh, I worked. I worked my final day at that my that the job that was making me unhappy. Um, made some money, went home. The next right. day, so I guess it would have been Saturday. I had that's the, that's the day that I went out and hung out with Joe. So I went yeah. and saw him on my on my sober birthday, and then mm-hmm. um, spent the next day with my girlfriend, and we just hung out, and it was super chill and not much of anything, and we got some vegan Caesar salads, and you know, just relaxed. oh, the dressing was vegan, right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, all that business. So it's like there's meat no no she's she's in love with these these like urban remedy vegan caesar salads at uh whole foods and she's like if you go and pick me one up i'll buy you one so i got one and it's pretty tasty i gotta tell you it was i might try it there's a whole foods by the tattoo yeah. shop maybe i'll send the counter guy down there and make him walk down the whole field whole foods <laughs> give me what'd you call it a vegan remedy what it's a hell? it's urban remedy is the name of the urban company remedy. and they do like like ginger shots and different stuff but it was it was really tasty i don't know not that they're they're sponsoring anything here but no the point they should, though yes the point is that it was tasty we had a good time we relaxed we hung out it was a great weekend and four years sober so four years man four years in the Four years out of the hole. Oh, I, I shaved my beard off too. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I can tell. I, sha- I shaved my beard off. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the listener can tell my voice is different because no. it's not coming through a mustache. <laughs> I shaved the beard off and then a couple, like the day, two days later, I was at the shop working and this guy's like, you got a real Steve Buscemi vibe going on. You know that? <laughs> is that a good thing? And I went, thank yeah, you, I yeah. think. I guess. And he goes, no, 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 man. Steve Buscemi's a badass. And this was the guy that was the speaker for that meeting, too. Oh, okay. And he's like, you got a real Steve Buscemi vibe, man. That's... And then when he left, the guys at the shop were like looking up pictures of Steve Buscemi. And they're like, I don't see it. And I'm like, me neither, man. Like, like maybe a young funny, Buscemi or something? I don't know. I don't know. Just the general I never... vibe. I have no idea, man. What about that woman who said you were the next Johnny Carson? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about that one day on this podcast. Where that's can you tell that story? Line. I was standing in line, and this was back when um, you could get the cigarettes. They didn't have them behind the counter. Maybe I was mm-hmm. holding, I think, four packs of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I was doing, but I had four packs of cigarettes, and and Johnny Carson just fucking died of fucking lung cancer, and I'm buying four packs of cigarettes, and this woman who was in front of me or behind me was like, oh, you're the next Johnny Carson, huh? And I was like, Jesus. I'm like, do you know me? Do you know how funny I am? Because I'm pretty fucking funny, actually. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, you know? And then just didn't know where the fuck that was coming from, right? <clears throat> Turns out it's because I was smoking four packs of cigarettes. She was digging on your 
on your habit. Just digging on the, the comedic stylings of super hungover Jerry. <laughs> right. In, Se- in Seattle and in, in Ballard at the oh, Ballard yeah. Market the, or whatever. No, you was at the dollar store getting cigarettes the at the dollar store. store. Yeah. You're the next Johnny Carson, huh? <laughs> Like, so today you've seen, you've seen my act you've seen yeah, my act. right <laughs> oh man um today i wanted to start a is for ai which stands for alcoholic idols right and i think that we all have these these people that we look up to i i know that uh, for me um finding out that people that uh, finding out the people that wrote and sang and painted and you know did all these cool things also drank like I drank was yeah. really, really impressive. Like when I read on the road and they would always talk about drinking all this cheap wine and being on road trips and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it was, there, there's so many, I remember so many lines in that, in that book and others where it was all about like collecting the alcohol or having enough or running out of alcohol. This was always part of the narrative, right? This was always part right. of the, the, um, the story. And so then it becomes glamorized because On the Road is this amazing, sensational book about a young man going across the country a couple different times and, you know, just trying to have an adventurous or having an adventurous life, right? Having an adventure. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Yeah. So you get really super excited. And, um, and I also, as you are a huge Bukowski fan. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to begin with Bukowski. I don't remember the first person. Maybe you gave me a book of his. I don't know if I... I don't remember. Might have been me. I remember getting it from Coda. Mm. And Coda was the one who introduced me to Bukowski, our friend. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I just remember reading all this stuff, and it was gritty, and it was dirty, and it was kind of gross. And I was like, I'm gritty and dirty and gross. This is cool, yeah. man. And I want to yeah, write poems about... Cool. Oh, I fucking, you know, woke up took a beer shit fucking right scraped Jacked my navel off in the bathtub yeah. yeah exactly all this stuff like fucking puked red wine all over the floor rolled over and you know i don't know it's just really lots of like awful stuff that now i would look back and go like oh god that's that would be an unacceptable way to to even start the morning to live it's it's the idea of dodging like the the dominant paradigm right like of, of trying to live under the thing that is normally going on in society and wanting to be below it or behind it and not being part of it you know not walking in lockstep with everyone else you know i think with with that and bukowski writes a lot about it too there comes this level of isolation right and so there's 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 all of this um well yeah i'm not part of society man i do my own thing and i i live in a fucking you know one room cool water flat and i drive cold my water flat yeah. <laughs> i drive my my vw bug to the liquor store when it runs when it when it's not too cold out and it'll start up otherwise i gotta bundle up and walk to go get another bottle of cheap red and right. um which is not to discount his writing because there's a lot of his writing that i love i mean there's like yeah um as my friend nabil puts it he loves his economy of word that he uses yes yes short words and short sentences and and evokes mm-hmm. a lot of emotion and a lot of imagery from that you yes. know but i found myself wanting to be bukowski very early on that apartment that i had in downtown seattle if that wasn't a bukowski fucking room i don't know what was uh, neither do i yeah jesus yeah. i had the typewriter i had the fucking halfway house next door i had the black lacquered floors and the fucking tub with no shower it was and mm-hmm. we i you we used to get together and drink and drink and drink or if i was alone i would drink and drink and drink and try to i would say you never cooked a meal in that kitchen i don't think, i don't think i don't know if you ever cooked an entire meal in there no. other than like ramen <laughs> Mac and cheese. It was hastily creepy Hastily made there. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Hastily creepy. made sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I, I still have, I, I've been getting rid of things and I've been getting rid of some books, you know, because I've, my, my feeling on books lately has been, well, if they're not out there for somebody else to read, then what good are they doing me on my shelf? Cause nobody comes mm-hmm. over, nobody comes over and says, Oh, what are you reading or what do you like or what how do you define yourself through the novels you keep on this bookshelf right and um i have but the ones few that i have not wanted to get rid of is this huge stack of bukowski books man 
mm-hmm. like it's almost a whole shelf and well, i don't give give me some i'll take them <laughs> yeah see and so I, I... <clears throat> I, I mean i might man i'm just i've been thinking about it and as i as i pare down things like what am i supposed to do with these i've read all the ones i wanted to read i got some of his later in life poems and they're not very good mm-hmm. they're yeah. him that are sad and talking about his cats <clears throat> Um, they are, they are, they are about his cats and later on in his life when he's so I don't know what too you're... old and fucking pickled to like go anywhere. It's just it's me and pom pom, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like it's me and pom pom. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> I'm just trying to you know I try to remember that part of I think part of why I would glorify that kind of life is um, I heard this in a meeting um, that what alcoholics do is they Regular people will change their behavior to meet their goals. Alcoholics will change their goals to meet their behavior. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I could always just say, well, I guess I'm not getting out of bed today, or I guess I'm not, you know, cleaning up the house, or I guess I'm not going to take that recycle out because there's too many bottles, or I guess I'm not going to, you know empty the ashtray because why what's the point i'm just gonna lay on this couch and drink anyway right um so i don't know how you feel about that idea of the bukowski lifestyle or where it fit into your your i mean you were much cleaner than i was i will say this even in the yeah in the drunkenness you were always much cleaner than I was. My bathroom always smelled like pee, though. And everybody would be like, your bathroom smells like pee really bad. And I never knew why. I was always like, mm-hmm. I was always just, it would just escape me why my bathroom would smell like pee constantly. And then I, after I got sober, it occurred to me that I was getting up at like two in the morning drunk to pee and just there was no control. Mm-hmm. I just pee all over the wall and yeah. floor and be like, ah, so you bought tickets to the show, you know, like... <laughs> Right. And I'd mop mm-hmm. and clean in there. I mean, so yes, I was cleaner, but uh, I just put that out there in the world for a podcast here. But, <laughs> but whatever, if you knew me back then, you went to my house, you'd be like, dude, are you just peeing everywhere in here? And I'm like, I guess so. I guess yeah. that's how we do this here. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's, do you know the Bukowski, the Bukowski thing appealed to me more in that, that I liked the, the, the fact he was so morose and I liked the misery of it and enjoying the misery of it because I really liked being miserable. Like I loved it. It gave me power, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but I also really gravitated towards the Hunter S Thompson stuff. Tell me a lot. Well, because there was a lot of savagery in there and a lot of like this aggressive masculinity that I felt like I really lacked as a person. And so I, that was my ideal, you know, because yeah. even with Bukowski talking about fighting all the time and shit. And you know, a lot of that shit on both their ends was just lies. Like it was just made up. Like it was just made up to write a good fucking story. Like you really think Bukowski fucked all those ladies? No, dude. No, dude. That dude was a train wreck. That dude Mm -hmm. was like a hundred miles of fucking airplane crash. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so the same with Hunter, you know, like, did he take on these mythical amounts of drugs? I bet he did when he was young and strong and his body could handle it. But you know, but I think the idea of, to me, it was the idea of losing control and just not fucking caring because I was so hyper-focused on myself and what I was doing and how I presented myself to the world and how everybody saw me that I was really enamored at the idea of not caring what the world thought. and not. But, but even when you read those guys, they had very obvious affectations, you know, them mm-hmm. as people. So, I mean, as far as those two writers in general, they were definitely – a big source of that affectation I put on of drinking and then over time realized that this affectation of drinking was this detriment to my character. It was like just a broken part of my character, you know. I don't know if broken's the right word for it, but mm-hmm. well I Yeah I, man. I like the idea well I I relate to the idea of the the savagery and the the masculinity that I lacked because <clears throat> as as you I also really enjoyed listening to Morrissey and there was a, yeah, a very yes. much a a feminine side to me that was always yes. that was always there and was always made fun of as as yes, a kid. Absolutely. So yeah. so then it became this like, ooh, 
here's here's something exciting. This is what I can do to be be a man. I can drink. Right. And if I, I can, can drink, yes, <clears throat> I can drink, and I can be mm-hmm. strong, and I can be powerful with this drink, and I can be more powerful than anybody else in this room, and I will prove it by being the only one left. And that was Standy. just because I would scare the shit out of everybody or, yeah, or I would mm-hmm. out drink people or people who were normal were like, dude, this is, this is too much, man. I, we're done. I'm, I gotta yeah. go, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I, I really latched onto that in a big way with those, that kind of thing. Although I never liked to fight. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, neither did I. Yeah. I. Getting hit really sucks. <laughs> and I was not a good fighter. So it was always, it was always bravado and it was always this, um, this act in this show for yes, very much so for myself as much as everybody else. But I was always scared and terrified. And, you know, when I look at like, yeah. I mean, Bukowski still lived pretty late in life. Like he was, I mean, maybe uh, 73 when he yeah. died and he died of um, leukemia. So, yeah. And which I don't think leukemia is an alcoholic, you know, alcoholism related disease no, in any so. way i mean the alcohol probably didn't help and he probably had a f- <laughs> yeah fucking liver like a you know mm-hmm. like a baseball mitt but you know um and but kerouac puked his fucking guts out well so i wrote know, this down because i was doing a little research here and he it was cirrhosis of the liver which yeah. i mean a lot of people know he was only 47 years old how old are you gonna Dude, be next month i'll be 44 yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and abdominal hemorrhaging, which basically, yeah, I don't know how much puking is involved, but basically the cirrhosis of the liver, I don't know exactly what happens, but some something like ruptures in your gut and it just right. bleeds into your body cavity. And yeah, yeah, well, I, I had read that he had died in his mother's house throwing blood up everywhere. And I mean, know, I like, can't even imagine like how painful that must have been. Like at 40 fucking seven. Oh, well, I'm mean, not to not to disparage the man because he was really important to me, too. But he died washed up out of touch with his generation, out of touch with the generation. He was a voice for. Yeah. That was it all in the alcoholism. Yeah, probably. But I mean, there was part of his personality that made him that way. But do you think the alcoholism didn't amplify it? You know, and like when when fucking Ginsburg was going and and, uh, protesting the war and becoming a Buddhist and all these other guys that he was really close with who were still alive were doing these things that were countercultural. He was like those fucking hippies. Fuck those hippies. You know, he became Johnny American, Johnny Unitas, you know, Mm -hmm. like very American, very, very rah, rah fucking nationalist, you know, and completely went the opposite of what his spirit was as a young man and i really have a i really have a feeling that the alcoholism was like amplified that shit you know took those resentful parts of his personality like and he exploded was with them. his mom yeah just a 47 and there's nothing wrong with living your mom at 47 if you're trying to figure shit out but you know if you're jack kerouac living with your mom at 47 and she's healthier than you like you really need to figure some shit out mm-hmm. you know? not that i need the ghost of fucking jack coming in here and no, I mean I. I, Sal, I what is it, Sal? Sal Paradise or I, Sal yeah. Paradise? I imagine the ghost of Jack Kerouac has had some time to dry out. I don't think that. I don't think that. He's just floating over my bed, being like, "Who are you calling a loser now, buddy?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember seeing old, watching some old interviews of him later in life, and it was just mm-hmm. really heartbreaking to see this and to know that I had read this book when I was, you know, 16 or 17 and was so enamored. I almost moved to San Francisco and, um, I would have, if I could have afforded it, but yeah. And then to see him later and go like, that's, that's what came of you on the Dick Cavett show. Just this, right. Just looking that's so sad. F- fucking check. That's the check coming in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the tab. Yeah. It's just like you see Orson Welles. You know, Orson Welles was this mm-hmm. brilliant director and this brilliant actor, and you see him later in that wine commercial, which is sad, but there is a funny part to it, though. Yes. Just because he is so startled, like, oh, you know, but mm-hmm. even Orson Welles, you see him at the end, and you're like, that's the tab. You're getting paid the tab now for burning so brilliantly, but depending on something that is fucking super short-lived, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I, and I don't think there's like this, I, I honestly, man, I don't think it's intentional. Like that's that's the, the one of the great fucking arguments I have with people. One of the great debates is I feel like a normal person, and normal is not the right word. A typical person, a typical drinker who does not have an addiction problem, looks at people with addiction and thinks that they're doing it intentionally all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe that first one is your choice, but then after that first one, I honestly, in my heart, believe there's no choice. It's just out of your hands. 
you know. But you do. You wake up in the morning, you have that choice to have that first one, you know. But I think the typical – and I, I, I hate to fucking blanket statement like that, but a lot of the people I've spoken to look at it that way. That like you're, you, you have the choice to keep doing this to yourself. And you do, but I really honestly believe it goes back into what our 12-step says. It's like you're powerless in the sense that that first one – you got power over the first one, but then after that, it's like it's all it's all gone. Yeah, I heard a guy say, "I wouldn't trade my kid for a drink, but I trade my kid for the second drink." You know, mm-hmm. and that fucking hit me like a rock because I was like, "Man, I'd trade mine for the fourth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like what, yeah, where's your they, breaking point? What is it? Yeah, no, you know? I'm just, I mean, so, yeah, how many no, that's drinks? what I'm saying. I'm reiterating, how many is it? But also, I don't know, man. It's a funny subject we're talking about because i i've been thinking about it after i texted you and i was like there i don't know even where it comes from or who's the blame or what it is or if it is a thing that is blameful or blameless because in this society we've really lifted up the culture of drinking as a way to escape you know what i mean to escape everything escape your problems your financial problems your marital problems the problems you're having just being a person in general being a person's uncomfortable as fuck dude it's awkward fitting in Fitting in, making being a, a guy who maybe all they all say you run like a girl, which I don't know what that means because I know some fast ass girls, but you know what I'm saying? Like me growing up, they're like you run like a girl, and I'm like, what the? F- I don't, I don't understand what you fucking mean by that, you know? Yeah. And so as I got older, I'm like, oh yeah, is this fucking yeah? You want to watch this girl runner fucking kill a fifth of whiskey in your house, bitch? You mm-hmm. know, like because that's exactly what I'm gonna do and probably break some shit and not remember. Speaking of which, the U.S. soccer team, women's soccer team. Congrats. Yes. Hell yeah. See, that's running like a fucking girl. I mean, not to turn this into the... You know what I'm saying, though? It's yes. like we talk about being two men, being two specific types of men in this society, reading these authors, taking in this... I mean, we haven't even gotten to actors or music yet. You no. know, like taking this in as an escape from our from the society's perceived ideal of what masculinity is. You know? I even turned it on its ear while I was like, I don't go to Super Bowl parties to watch the fucking game. What am I, some kind of fucking jock? I go to Super Bowl parties that drink all your booze and eat some of your food. Yeah. Maybe steal soap out of your bathroom because it's funny. Well, and we were, we were, we were of an age. Yes. Um, wake up with pockets full of bar soap from somebody's soap. Super and I'm Bowl. like, well, somebody had some Irish Spring. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Irish Spring's my new brand. Yeah. But, um, that we would read these things, and this was even when we were growing up. When so we'll say in the '90s, right? So when we were coming of age, you know, teenagers, twenties, and trying to figure out what it means to be a person, let alone be a man. Um, we're reading these stories and these novels uh, from people who are who had become men in a way in you know twenty or even thirty years before, right? Right. So mm-hmm. so things are vastly different and culture is vastly different. And it's not until it wasn't until I start, I quit drinking and it wasn't until, you know, I've gotten more just in tune with, with the world, right. More connected Mm -hmm. with culture. And you go like, this is not something like, Oh my God, this is, everything is changing. What is happening here? Like it's been changing for a long time. Long time. Yes. That's so funny you bring that up. I love that. And maybe I'm just more aware of it. And maybe, maybe there are certain things that are changing and there's, you know, the the growth, much like sobriety, the growth is not always just incremental. It has explosions and spurts and things happen Mm -hmm. to you and you're like, wow, this is crazy. And so masculinity and being a guy and being a person is a whole different world a whole different ball game these days and so it is it is yeah what what the way that hunter s thompson would behave in havana in 19 i i'm 56 i I don't know 56 57 i don't know i'm making that up i don't know for a fact but it's not the same way oh no he was in puerto rico or puerto rico thank you that's what it was yes it was Mm -hmm. puerto rico um you know it's not the same way that i'm going to behave as a man in 2019 or even in 2015 right things yeah. are different so it's this whole societal change yeah and you know we i don't know if you remember i think i called you the night that i i heard that hunter s thompson died um mm. because he um he blew blew his brains out he shot himself yes. with a shotgun right yep and um no it was with a handgun a handgun yeah and, i mean that the gun necessarily isn't important 
But, I guess maybe. But he was he was sixty seven, and I don't know what else he was going through, and I don't know if there was an autopsy, and you know there were all these rumors that like, well, he was gonna die of something else, so he went out the way that he wanted to go out, and I'm like. I have to wonder, and I don't have any answers, but is that really the way he wanted to go out? Is that really what he... I mean, I don't know what he was facing, but I can't imagine I, I, a situation where I would want to you know, blow my brains out. It doesn't say here in the Wikipedia whether or not he had a, a pre-existing condition. I think some people have said that. I know it says here in the Wikipedia, and I remember it too, reading mm-hmm. about how he had I didn't catch shot... That. It's quiet, Siri. Don't worry, Siri. Don't worry, baby. It's okay. She said I didn't catch that. She, she's about to catch it. I guess, yeah. He shot himself in the head while he was on the phone with his wife. He called her and fucking popped his cork like while he was talking to her on the phone, right? And I'm not saying that sober people don't do that shit because they do that shit too. It's not just like, I don't yeah. know, man. Right? It's just, what a fucking, how fucking tragic is that? But... Mm-hmm weigh it out the cynic in me weighs it out if he did have some debilitating thing that was tearing him to pieces like what is your better end you know in constant pain till you die but see i don't know all the facts but i do Mm -hmm. know for a fact he called his wife and put her through that suffering too you know and that's unfair that's self-centered but you know i can't really speak on what people with really hard mental illness or people going through a degenerative disease or even people in the throes of ready i actually i can't speak on being in the throes of alcoholism and being on the edge of suicide for sure, but I didn't go through with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's hard for me to say. A suicide's <clears throat> a tricky thing, right? I mean, I get into <clears throat> discussions with people all the time. They're like, it's very, very selfish. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. And it resonates around you to everyone around you. But at the same point, like, I don't understand their mental illness. What compels somebody mentally the mental illness that compels them to take off their clothes in the middle of the street and start a fight with five cops it's the same thing that would compel you to shoot yourself you're outside of your own head you know so i can't tell you you're a selfish person yeah i mean I, you you could say that it's selfish right but um, i don't necessarily i do and one, don't see one, it's like a, one hmm. could um and one could say that like alcoholism is is selfish being an alcoholic right is selfish but oh, but yeah, but yeah. you know like again like you, we don't know what people are going through what their level of and, and the thing with suicide and and the the point that I was trying to make here that I'm going to make is oh, okay. is um and like alcoholism I imagine in those moments before these things happen you don't feel like you have a choice whether you're right. pulling the trigger or having another drink or having another drink to get to the point of pulling the trigger you don't feel like you have a choice right <clears throat> right and so um, I mean, I would only say that, as I always say, that you, you're not alone and help exists, um, for anybody yes. listening, but I, in any place, really, <laughs> I mean, not just in alcoholism, if you're at a hard time, there are people out there who can help you, man. Um, yeah. So I just, like he, he killed himself, Hunter S. Thompson, uh, Ernest Hemingway was the shotgun I was thinking of in Idaho. Yeah. Um, who was also a fucking ripping alcoholic whose work I didn't really like for I didn't like his books. I didn't much. read a lot of his. Um, he does. He was also an economist of words, though. Mm-hmm. He was. He was, but I, Bukowski bit a lot of his shit, and I can see it. But I also like didn't feel Papa Papa Hemingway or whatever they call him. I big feel Papa. Yeah, I Big Papa. You know, and you're like I like it when you call me Big Papa. Um, but I I think maybe it might be too far removed to read it now. And because it was so much of it was written so much earlier in last century, I think that had a lot to do with why I didn't get into Hemingway as much either. Right. Um, But did you know that Hank Williams died at 29 from hemorrhaging? From alcoholism? Yeah. Like 29. Can you imagine drinking Mm -hmm. so much at 29 that you bleed internally? Like... I don't know. Yeah, I could imagine yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I were unfettered and famous and had nothing but money and people encouraging me, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think I could have done that. I mean, I don't want to do that, but I think I could have done it. I think that's a, yeah. that, that I imagine is a big part of it, too, is that whole machine around you that's got, like, I need you to, we need you to produce more, whatever you need. You need liquor, you need drugs. Your liquor is that what opens the fucking floodgates, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys, you know. I mean, you know, we're talking about guys who, even talking about guys who are sober now, you talk about Tom Waits or, mm-hmm. you know, Anthony Hopkins. I mean, if we're going from music to actors, there's all these people now who are still creating good things mm-hmm. 
who came out the other side of it, right? Is I mean, you told me you were afraid that you wouldn't be able to write. You know, yeah. If you st- stop drinking. And this reminds me of a conversation you were telling me about where this person was afraid to quit drinking because they were afraid they would lose their friends. You know? Yeah. Like there's these excuses we tell ourselves while we're active in whatever it is we're doing. I had plenty of excuses, do you know, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like uh, I thought I couldn't paint. I thought I wouldn't be able to talk to people. The big one near the end was I was afraid I was going to go through withdrawal. And I was like, fuck, it's going to kill me, you know. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes right now mm-hmm. myself. Like, really, dude? Yeah, that's that's what it was, you know? Or are you just afraid that, well, I mean, there's a bunch of things going on there. but. You know. Yeah, I, it's, I, I also think that mental illness is very much um, uh, connected to it. I think whether, again, I, however you describe or, you know, Alcoholism is a self-diagnosed disease as as it stands mm-hmm. now. There's other science right. that's being developed, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. And we may come down the road and find the alcoholic gene and all this stuff, right? Your dad talked to, he, he talked a lot about that on the podcast yeah. we did with him. But it's a self-diagnosed thing. And so um, there's all, there's, so it, it, I imagine there are lots of different ways to get there. So I had a disposition for alcohol, right? I had the allergy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It didn't the have allergy. to be awakened in me in the way that it did. I was running from things in my childhood that happened in my childhood. I things where I had I just not only was I <clears throat> um, I was going to say I was I tortured. Uh, there was a lot of traumatic things um, that right. happened. I was abused and then never really. So I was abused and I was never really taught how to be an adult. So you put those two together. Turns out that the alcoholism is in my family along with mental illness in a big, deep way. And right. then you put those two together and it's like I finally get a little taste of freedom and something that makes me feel comfortable. I'm going to go with it the first second that I get. And I did. I mean, I absolutely did. And then mm-hmm. to read these stories and listen to these, you know, these songs about it. And I mean, Jesus, if Ozzy Osbourne can get sober, demon alcohol, like, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. It just there's a lot of different ways to get there. There's a lot of ways that people will diagnose themselves and maybe they won't. Right. They won't consider themselves alcoholics. Um, I I wrote a piece on my blog about Anthony Bourdain, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. And um, the big thing that I, the takeaway that I got was, one, I was really touched by a lot of what he did and the way that he, you know, he, um, the way that he shared his experiences and how as much as he might have been kind of this, played this brash asshole, like he was really humble when it came to sitting at somebody else's table and, you know, sharing their food. And like, I really appreciated yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of things and it really touched me. So I felt like I felt the need to write something. And I, the, the point was that I, I can't imagine that there wasn't some level of alcoholism that was affecting him. Cause I mean, when you watch the videotape, he's always drinking. Yeah. He's always drinking. And here's somebody else. And so there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what happened to him. But um, I, I don't know, man, I I just, it's, it just goes so it goes hand in hand with all these things. I mean, fucking, I don't know. It's just, it just trips me out that so many people find their way to being in such a dark place. And, um, and now here I am like, Oh, I just celebrated four years sober, and I keep thinking like, <laughs> like if I can do it, anybody can do it. But and just to get back on track as far as what we were talking about, um, you know, we talk about these these idols of ours. You said a couple of different actors. Tom Waits is sober guy. Um, Anthony Hopkins, New Westworld. Craig, uh, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson's great. Right. Um, um, uh, there's a bunch of them, dude. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Andy Griffith. Not Andy Griffith. Uh, Dick Van Dyke. Not Andy Griffith. He was. I don't think he. I think he was pretty straight. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't though. <laughs> it's Dick Van Dyke got sober. Dick Van Dyke. He's one of oh, us. Yeah. Is he still alive? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oh. Probably because he got sober, man. That's a, that's all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of them out there. I could sit here and I could go right now online and find them all. But the idea is. We can talk about the ones who didn't make it through, but then there are the other ones who did make it mm-hmm. through, 
you know, and there, there are tons of us who made it through, you know, there are tons of just people who made it through. I went to that big convention this weekend and was just amazed by the amount of different types of people I saw there. You mm-hmm. know? Lots of older people, but then lots of fucking bikers and weirdos and non weirdos and just every angle of life was there you know and these and what always blows me away is it's not that we're sharing this program because we are but we all have that same little fucking pilot light in us you know Mm -hmm. and that that to me is really it's it's very uh powerful to see you know to know that there's other people who have that little pilot light in them that you know you get a little loose gas on it and shit gets wild you know what i'm saying like so and so we don't turn on the gas don't turn on the gas, man. Leave it off, right? But I guess the subject of all this and the way I'm looking at it is like how these things not necessarily inspired us because I think – not inspired me because I think it was always in me but just encur- I felt encouraged. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm in control of my own actions for the most part. You know what I mean? Like the media I take in, the things I read, the things I take in, it's up to me to decide whether or not that is truthful or not. That's not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not the fault of the media I'm taking in. I need to be able to think critically and and uh, uh, critically and in an abstract way so that I can say, well, this isn't real. You know, this is inaccurate. This isn't the way life would be. But at that point in time in my life, I was totally fooled by it. I was like, this is, this guy is a fighter. This guy's out in the street fighting. This guy's writing these beautiful poems and reading them every night you know all that shit i like this guy's on the road literally Mm -hmm. on the road driving around trying to find america but we lived in a time when america didn't had already you know what i mean it was we were past all that you know Mm -hmm. i think i'm now i'm talking about the zeitgeist at the time but you know what i mean (laughs) you would talk about being encouraged and that's definitely by you know by the by the media that we consume and by what we see right and um, I'll give you an example of something that was very encouraging to me for, you know, certainly to my de- detriment. But do you remember Jackass? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. We're that Jackass generation. All those guys are our age. That's mm-hmm. all Gen X guys in their 20s. <clears throat> and I remember yeah. seeing it and like thinking this was the most amazing thing in the world. And, and again, it was it, I, I feel like it was that rec- reckless behavior to the to the extent to prove my masculinity on some level right Mm -hmm. and um i remember thinking i was so cool because we would i I would never do any stunts that were that bad i wasn't jumping on any roofs i was too scared but i loved watching it and like going Mm -hmm. you know finding out all this stuff about like who these guys were and i remember you like no dude check this out johnny knoxville was in this skater mag and he was just a writer and this and that and the other and Mm -hmm. and thinking like oh man this is how these people start maybe we could do something like this this is awesome right you know maybe if we just maybe we just drink enough and act crazy someone will give us money and that was the plan or give us something (laughs) give us something fame notoriety attention attention. attention. yeah Yeah. any kind of attention right Mm -hmm. and um i look at i look at those guys now and i'll give you a few examples um of the bad and the good but uh ryan dunn who was one of my favorite guys on that show he seemed to be the most level-headed dude on that show actually right yeah (laughs) he did didn't he yeah and um and he died in a car crash drunk drunk and um you know, Steve-O is now sober. I yeah, don't know what he's his... one of us. He's one of us. And yeah. I just heard that Bam Margera is on board as well. Yeah, he's been in and out of it. But, but I mean, he. I don't know, man. They're talking about these famous people is so funny. I feel like we're like page five or page seven. I'm like, well, <laughs> he's got a great support in Steve-O. But it's good to have a sober friend. You know, it's good to yes. gravitate towards the sober people. Um. I mean, I, and yeah, I, they, yeah, I don't, it doesn't need to be a page five. Um, we uh, can, I can do this. I can dish this dirt, man. You hear about 50 shades of gray. They spank each other. They like to spank each other. I just, and you're right. It is good to have a sober friend and it's um, great to have a sober friend. You need that. You don't need it, but the resource is incredibly helpful. Um, it's good. I feel great to be the sober friend for people that are not, um, that are, that I'm are glad still you're drinking. my sober friend. <laughs> yes. I was just telling yes. someone this today that I was telling my wife, I'm like, I don't really have a lot of friends in the program I attend. And it's not because they're not making friends with me. It's because I'm fucking weird and I'm trying my hardest to like be normal and social. But mm-hmm. I'm like, at least I have John though. Yeah. You know, we may only talk like once a week, but I talk to you more than 
I mean, I talk to you about as much as I talk to my mom and dad. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't, and in none of my other friends, I don't talk to them at all, really. I mean, I get emails every once in a while. Maybe hit someone up on, you know, PlayStation Live every once in a while. So, Their headset's working. Headset's never working. I had this idea. Did I tell you this on the, uh, I didn't tell you this when we hit record, but, and I don't know what you guys out there think about this. I told Jerry. He spends a lot of time in Fallout. I've seen some of the amazing work that he's done, like architecturally and, and artistically, but that maybe he should have like a like a sober meeting in the Fallout. I don't know game. if it would work in a seventy six <laughs> server because we can't really communicate with each other, but it would be funny. And also, I mean, I I could try it. People are assholes, though. I'm telling you, they would all show up with bottles of booze in the game and be like, <laughs> just to make fun. <clears throat> I have no faith. I have no faith in, in the video game community. I wonder if, like, you know, are you familiar with Second Life at all? Yeah, but that, uh, does that even exist anymore? I thought that was like an X-Files thing. <laughs> no, I think it's like a, I think it's like computer, computer. It's not like. I the, don't think they do that anymore. I, that's some shit my dad was telling me about in 2000. He's no, like, Second Life? Second like Life? VR? You heard of the Second Life, Jerry? It's a, you get to live another life there. You could be, you could be a dragon if you wanted to, Jerry. I'm no. like, dude, I'm just playing Resident Evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why was your dad encouraging you to be a dragon in virtual reality? No, he wasn't reality. encouraging me. Okay. He just was trying to converse with me okay. about Second Life that now you're doing. <clears throat> no, okay. I'm not saying you have to. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. I think it's I could do a sober, be like, I guess go out in the server and voice chat and be like, hey, y'all, having the dopest AA meeting. <laughs> Are we having the dopest sobriety meeting on Fallout 76 on this server? So any of you 12-year-olds want to come? <laughs> Get your ass down here. I mean, could you have like a closed lobby on Grand Theft Auto and like, I don't know. I guess. Go over to Michael's I house. I think that and... would work better on a PC because the, the, the online community on PCs, you can actually rent a server and be mm -hmm. like, this is the server we're all playing on. I mean, fair enough. Re recovery people don't want to hear this conversation. <laughs> but just know I like video games a lot. And I play them a lot. And... I'm not as much into them. I, I kind of, anyhow. You're right. I, I guess that's just it was an interesting idea that if it could exist in virtual reality, it might be able to reach people that it couldn't that couldn't otherwise get out to right. be reached in this way. Right. But and you can hit me up on Half Life, <laughs> on Second Life. You can hit me up. Half Life is dope. You can hit me up on Second Life. I got a furry dog character. Mm -hmm. His name is his name is Mantastic Sam. Is he is he just furry or is he a furry? No, he's like a, a what do you call it a. Um, He's like a man dog. I can't remember the yeah, name of it right now. Either. Somebody out there is going, it's called this stupid. <laughs> it's like the furries, like the dudes who put on, the men yes, and women who put on yes. furry costumes and get, they don't just have sex. I mean, they hang out and shit too. Anthropomorphic. Mm, boom. boom. It's an anthropomorphic dog. Um, Mantastic Sam. <laughs> that's Fridays on CBS, right? You should go check out my barber. His name is Sam. He's fantastic. Sam. He's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so what do, what do I do now, Jerry, with, with these, these idols and these people that I looked up to and were encouraged by and inspired by? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of beauty in Kerouac's writing and it wasn't just the drinking, right? There was, he went, he went to the top of Desolation Peak and he spent time in solitude and there was a lot of stuff with Gary Snyder and, you know, and he did dabble in that before everything else took hold. Yeah. But what do I do with with these these things? I mean, does does Bukowski have a place in my life anymore? Well, that's up to you. <clears throat> does Bukowski have a place in your life anymore? I mean, what yes, do you... absolutely. What I do is I still I I still grant them reverence, and I'm still grateful to them for serving the purpose they had to serve, even if it mm -hmm. was a detriment to my life. Because at the end of the day. I still have a ton of gratitude that I went through these detrimental things in my life because I wouldn't, and I've just shared this the other day, I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't walk through that fucking shit. It's true. It's not even fire anymore. I used to be like, oh, what matters most is how well you walk through the fire, right? That's that Bukowski mm -hmm. book. And now it's like, ah, it wasn't even fire. This is a big wall of poo. And I just walked through it for fucking 17 years, 18 years. And, and to them, I still owe them 
a debt of gratitude for showing me things in this world that I would have never seen that, that have definitely contributed to my character as a person. As far as them reading them, because it's not like Bukowski reached to the page and he's like, fucking lap up another one, rummy. You know what I mean? As It was more monkey see, monkey do. I watched him and said, look, I'm a, I have depth. I yeah. am a person. I have depth now because I can do with this other person and ape their behavior. I mean... So for them in my life, I'm so grateful they're there. And I still keep the books. And I still read them sometimes. I, I'm, But I do feel sad now. The things that used to bring me joy out of them and bring me, like, excite me and make me feel um, stimulated or whatever, now I just feel, like, sad. Like, it hurts me. It yeah. hurts me. It's like when you – I used to see drunks falling down downtown all the time, just fucking alcoholic-ass dudes falling on their asses. And it was funny. And now I see them and it, like, hurts my heart. Like, I feel sorry for them. And also know that that's me. That's exactly me, man. You could I'm be like, there. That's me. You could be there in a day, it take a year. Much. Yeah, I could do it at the end of this podcast. There's um, there's an old Bill Hicks bit about um, he talks about homeless people and he's like, mm-hmm. man, all you need is the right bar, the right girl. What is it mm-hmm. he said? Like, and the and the right friends, the right job, or the right Something, friends. Yeah, it was the right friends, the right girl, and the right and, friends. And you're well on your way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I hear that. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not discounting any of these things and I'm, I'm not no not at all I'm not, I'm not giving away my books anytime soon I just it's something that I've been Give thinking me, about though. yeah exactly and and just just for the record of the three big ones that we have talked about Kerouac Bukowski and Hunter S. Thompson I have um, quotes writings from two of them tattooed on my body so right so do I <laughs> from one of them from so, one of them so yeah. you know uh, and I I guess it's so it's it's not like I mean these people this is how this is how impactful their words were on me that I was willing and excited to get these tattoos you know um, one of which you did and um, right <laughs> um, the one that wasn't misspelled but uh, told you I got good grammar I got that good grammar <laughs> so yeah I just I wonder like and I I've read on the road at least twice if not more and i don't know that i need mm-hmm. to read it again but yeah maybe i'll open up the bukowski books and see what's up with him and um <clears throat> and honor Thompson was huge i mean when you read something like fear and loathing in las vegas and it's like it's, it's um, amazing writing like you know the mm-hmm. they, these people as as drunk as they were they i believe i genuinely believe that they cared about their craft if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't absolutely if but, it wasn't like specifically journalism or something, right? It was it was the the act of storytelling, right? And a lot of it was fugue mm. state stuff, especially with um, mm. Hunter and fucking Kerouac. There was a lot of just well, it was speed for both of them as well. But you know, <laughs> that'll put you in a fugue and, state. And to me, that was very alluring, man. That fugue state, that like being out of control once again, being out of control of your body and just mm-hmm. fucking letting whatever is inside you flow out of you. But, I mean, you can do that sober. You don't need to do that wasted. You just got to find the right place. Maybe you got enough meditation or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I used to I used to do it a lot. I think I've talked about this before. So I, would, I. I would I would, I would, uh, sit down and, like, I'd have these ideas for poems. And I would just think, I'm going to drink enough so that I, I write something. And it'll be okay right. because I'll have something great when I wake up tomorrow with a hangover. It'll be worth it. And most of the time, I had nothing. I had shit. I had garbage. Right. Because you feel like you're going to let all that, you're going to untie the knot on the balloon and it all come rushing out. But you untie a knot on a balloon, it just farts around the whole fucking room and deflates. <laughs> it's true. It's Use true. Use that one for the, <laughs> for the promo, right? Because it is, it's, I, 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 I guess the whole idea behind this is what we took in, what encouraged us or what, 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 what. I don't know. Like, well, I guess what helped us justify it. I think our forms of alcoholism not not necessarily unique, but just the idea of like, well, I read all these books and I wanted to emulate all these authors and things. And I don't know, you know. I imagine a lot of people can relate to that, and I imagine other people are just like, yo, man, I don't even think about that egghead shit. I just got drunk. <laughs> fucking nerds. <laughs> yes. Fucking dorks. What are you talking about reading? You fucking nerd. I just drank. Oh, what you, you know? reading for? No, what, what you reading for, nerd? Yeah. Um, what you reading for? So, who? Uh, my my next question for you, Jerry, is um, who now in sobriety do you see as a, as as an idol or a mentor, even from afar? Is it who do you uh, see? 
who do you see right. and go who do you admire you know or you know in well idol's in a sobriety. weird word i was gonna say that's why i'm smiling at you because mm-hmm. we are generation x we ain't got no fucking idols right i mean right. that was the thing i ain't got no idol i'm gen x but uh, who, who i admire a lot of the, i mean even people who aren't sober or not necessarily not sober but not in recovery but the people in recovery i like i mean mishka's book was really fucking touching you know mishka's book you was finished it powerful yeah yeah, yeah. and um uh mike mike Doty's book was really good yeah um i mean but i i don't necessarily gravitate towards certain dudes where i'm like oh that dude is um not uh augustin burroughs is a great fucking sober writer i think i have one of his books he did, uh, running, running with, with scissors i don't yeah. i haven't read it I'll even have to. even i think sedaris is in recovery too isn't he or I'm not, maybe i'm telling tales out of church i don't know <laughs> i don't know but he doesn't really talk about drinking no so much i don't think unless it's his okay, because but... augustin burroughs reminded me of sedaris a okay little bit. maybe that's why we'll i'm connecting the two but yeah i mean there's stephen king is one of my favorite writers does yeah. he talk a lot about recovery actually he does that doctor sleep yeah it's coming out it's all about a dude who's a member of aa what's and the he's new movie Daniel, it's called doctor sleep it's the sequel to the shining oh they're making the a movie shining yeah it's oh, great it's awesome. with Ewan mcgregor the fucking Shining, the whole book is about relapse. It's all about an alcoholic relapse. Everybody's like ghosts in a haunted... No, dude, that's all a metaphor for this dude having a fucking horrible relapse. In a haunted house, yes. Okay, I'll Yes, there were, actually, yes, there were ghosts, ripping... but... So imagine, not only do you relapse, but you relapse with a bunch of ghosts that are telling you to kill your family. Fuck that noise. So yeah, Stephen King's one of my favorites. There's a lot of those guys. I mean, I haven't really listened. I was not as big of a Tom Waits fan as you were. Mm, no, but I mean, was. I still. But there's still stuff I love that he's done. You know, there's still stuff that I think is beautiful that he did while he was drunk, and there's stuff I've heard while he was sober. You know, um, now he shows up in, every once in a while in these strange Jim Jarmusch or uh, vampire movies. Yes, and he just or like as a prospector on a fucking uh, <laughs> yes. Coen Brothers film. <laughs> it's great. Um, I, there's a lot of those people that I, I, I look up to or I'll tell my wife, oh, that dude's one of us. Like he's in the program or he's mm-hmm. just sober. That dude did a little fucking Harry Potter guy, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Was a giant alcoholic. Still is, just doesn't drink, you know? Yeah. The, uh, that was pretty, I would say too, like the Mishka Shubali book. That was the reason why I started like really running, running. I, so, I mean, mm-hmm. you read it now you understand, right? Or at least yeah. you, you know where I'm coming from. And, um, and it was really like powerful and amazing to be able to meet him and talk with him, even though we only had like 40 minutes or something, whatever it was like, I was just, and I couldn't, I didn't want to be like, I don't, I, I wanted to look at him and be like, you don't understand, man, your book changed my life. Your stories changed my life. And maybe don't he knew that. it, and maybe he was just like in a That's fucking weird. hurry because he's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. don't do." I wasn't gonna do that, like in the hotel yeah. room at ten o'clock I'm in the your morning. Fan. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's it's just, I was just like, "Wow, dude, you know, this is what you've said and what you've written is hugely important, you know, to me as somebody as a recovering alcoholic." Mm-hmm. And so, um, talk about taking it to the next level, and um. Right. You know, Stephen King, of course, I've always loved Stephen King. And you were the one who suggested Dr. Sleep. And I, you know, slept on that book for like a year before I picked it up again. Like I bought it. I remember I bought it in Alameda and I was excited because I was going to take it by the pool that summer and I was going to finish it mm-hmm. and I didn't read it. And I remember once I picked it up again and I was like, fuck, this book's awesome. And he goes into yeah. all the recovery stuff about it. And the way he I got to des- redo it again, man. In yeah. the beginning of that book where he describes the hangover and the just the shame and the guilt and the fucking where dudes yeah. like stealing money from the girl's purse. And it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like it was so vivid. Um, you know, and I, I, I look, I, I admire people like, uh, I look at people like Rich Roll, you know, uh, yeah, um, he's another one. Healthy, I like him. I, healthy, positive podcasters, you know, trying to spread the good word. Right. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I mean, maybe that, that line is a little too clear, um, too straight, but, um, listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> I'm ordering you. I'm mm-hmm. encouraging you I'm to encouraging listen to our podcast. I invite you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, I, like I'm, a vampire. I am trying to think of other, like, sober, you know, the and and again, like, you know, Mike Doty's, it was it was a book about recovery, right? Michigan's yes, was a it really book was. about mm-hmm. recovery. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, but these were, these were stories too. There was lots of great stories in there about it. There was really a human, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't a textbook on recovery. And that's the thing that I really appreciate. And even, you know, especially with like Stephen King, um, mm-hmm. fucking, um, Mark Maron. Oh yes. Of He's course. one of my favorites too. He was one of the first ones. He was the one that helped me kind of figure out i remember listening to him early on and i was like this higher power thing is not really coming to me man like i don't know what to do and his whole there was one episode i wish i could remember from like three or four years ago and i remember listening to it and going huh i can get next to that and that was like one of those little steps of encouragement in the right direction Mm -hmm. yeah um i've i love marin I love his stand-up. It's great. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm trying to find people now. I mean, I know we're rounding out the end of this, but there's uh, Jerry Joseph and the Jack Mormons. You ever listen to those guys? Um, Jerry Joseph He's, or John Joseph? He's, is he the – no, I'm thinking the Cro-Mags. No, it's Jerry Joseph and the Jack okay. Mormons. He no. does like – it's like more like kind of punk country, kind of country mm-hmm. or bluegrassish. I always knew his name because my name is Jerry Joseph, and mm. I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Uh, Jack Grisham, the dude from uh, TSOL, fucking punk rock band I grew up loving. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's they're they're out there. They're out there. They they have they have voices. Some of them are crazy. Most of them are crazy. They're all fucking crazy, I guess. Did you see how quickly that de-escalated downward? Fucking crazy. Crazy, right? You gotta be a little fucking woo woo to. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading this. Um, Julie Cameron, uh, and she's a she's a uh, film director. But she wrote this book called The Artist's Way that I'm working with right now. It's kind of like a workbook mm-hmm. textbook. And a lot there's a lot of parallels to uh, 12 Steps in Recovery. And I wouldn't be surprised if she was not as well. It's it's an interesting, mm-hmm. interesting book. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's 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 always the hard part, right? So the people that we look up to or had looked up to trying to still find those pieces like ourselves, those pieces of ourselves that we want to hang on to, that we want to continue to, uh, we don't want to lose ourselves entirely. We just try to grow and, and work on the, on the better parts of it and, and leave the character defects behind and work on the character. Um, what's the opposite of a defect? Uh, the, and I don't affect, know. Uh, affect? No, yeah. affect. I don't know. Just a character awesomeness. We'll yes, call it. Character, character awesomeness. awesomeness. You Work know. on your character awesomeness. Build that shit up. Mm-hmm. Show off all the good stuff. And I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, um, I think it's life is just so much better than than imagining many of the ways that many of the painful ways that it could that it could be. Not even end. Just be. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's that's what that's one of the worst things is like, oh, this will never end, and this is this perpetual chaos and hell, and it, like that was one of the worst feelings in the world. And so, to be able to wake up and you know, go, oh, it's a beautiful day outside, and I'm really enjoying this, and I'm gonna go and live it to the fullest, and I don't have to be, I don't have to be some down and dirty, filthy fucking animal. Right. Um, right. I was going to say, what about a character strength? Character strength. Thank you. Yes. Or, or character abundance. <laughs> you got your synonym. synonym I am. Open? That's yes. why I saw me looking at my phone because I was like, character advantage? And I will say this. And um, our old friend Steve said this to me one night while we were drinking. And so I can't, I can't take credit for this quote. And I don't know where okay. it came from. Um, but he said, you know, he was like, you know, Hunter S. Thompson says that quote. Um, uh, he says what is it to get rid of the pain of um become a beast to get rid of the pain yeah. of being pain of being a man yeah mm-hmm. uh get, become a beast to get rid of the pain of being a man or you, oh god how does it go can man, you you're really you're really blowing i'm really blowing this moment here. here jerry help me out he who gets rid he of who the, makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man he who makes he, yeah thank you so what Steve just said to me. Just edit all that other stuff out. There, <laughs> boom, crack right here. Marker. Thank bam. you. There. <clears throat> what was Steve saying to you, John? Steve said to me, "Yes, he said, he who makes a man of himself gets rid of the pain of being a beast." No. Oh, Steve said it backwards. Yes, he oh, said I it backwards, and I was like, again. "That's fucking awesome." 
how come I never thought about that? And this was like 20 Whoa, years ago. Oh, that shit just sunk right in right now. That's, I mean, is that profound or is that just switching words? But it is a little profound. It's isn't a little it? profound when you think about yeah. where it came from I mean, and where we are where now. Where it came from and where we were, where we were at and where we are now. Yeah. So, yeah, are we making men of ourselves, dude? Since like a lot of this podcast is about masculinity and. Yeah. I think the, Alcohol, I think alcoholic idols, which was kind of like American Idol, except there was a lot more people getting arrested. <laughs> exactly. It's at a much smaller venue, that's for sure. Way small, like your living room, <laughs> your exactly. fucking wife being like, "This is it, fuck mm-hmm. you." Yeah, yeah. So that was all. That was such. A, that was a cool, uh, cool quote. I really enjoy. I always thought I've been thinking about that for the last twenty years. That's it. Uh, that should be in the description of the podcast. It he will. who makes a man of himself gets rid of the pain of being a beast. A beast. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty great. I think that's a great way to to end it. To end it, I think so. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter: Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at asforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.